0: Just a word, please, before I preach. Every Friday morning from 10 to 11.45 in our fellowship hall, uh, there is a wonderful in-depth Bible study for women. Uh, The subject matter is the disciple John. John was the only disciple who wound up living a long life and dying of natural causes. All of the other disciples were put to death. Or their faith. But during John's long life he wrote the Gospel which bears his name, three letters in the New Testament which bear his name, and then the book of Revelation. The subject matter of that Bible study is all of those works in the New Testament and the life of John himself. The first of those in-depth studies is this coming week when the group dives into the Scriptures in earnest. I would invite you to participate. You may sign up uh, at a table outside the sanctuary after worship or you can call the church office during the week. What a great opportunity to come to know more about the power of the Word of God. Let us pray. Lord, nothing in my hand I bring simply... To thy cross I cling. Amen. You know, sometimes the signboards out in front of churches have the funniest things appear. Uh, They're never meant to be funny, but they are. For example, I read about a signboard in front of a large downtown church uh, which posted the subject of the next Sunday's sermon. As a result, passersby were treated to this gym. The signboard said, a jackass speaks his mind, Dr. Moore. (laughs) Well, I'm absolutely certain that Dr. Moore was dealing with the very same story from the Old Testament that I wish for us to focus upon today. It's the story of Balaam and the talking donkey. Uh, The story is actually spread over three chapters of the book of Numbers, chapters 22, 23, and 24. However, I wish for us to deal with the story under three chapter headings of my own choosing. Chapter one, I would entitle, not for sale. In the Old Testament, when the people of Israel were ready to march in to claim the promised land, it was necessary for them uh, to win some crucial battles against the Canaanites and the Midianites and the Moabites. Now the king of the Moabites was a man named Balak. Balak was himself an accomplished military leader. And he very quickly recognized that the forces of the israelites were far superior to his own and so it was balak's idea to try to gain at least some advantage in the conflict by enlisting to his own service balaam a prophet of god now apparently balaam not only had the ability to foretell the future, but in some strange way, he seemed also to have the ability to even influence the future. And so Balak decided that he would secure the services of Balaam and then have Balaam pronounce a curse upon the Israelites. And the king was willing to pay Balaam for his services. The king then sent his emissaries to meet with Balaam. And they offered the king's proposal to the prophet. Balaam responded, I will pray to God during the night and I will give you an answer tomorrow. Well, that night Balaam indeed did pray to God and God answered. God said, no. And so the next morning, Balaam sent the king's emissaries away, disappointed. Now I have to tell you that for me at least, this is the best part of the whole story. Because what you have here is a king attempting to buy a preacher. And the preacher responds by saying, I am not for sale. Mind you, dear friends, throughout history, there have always been those who have sought to buy off or pressure or intimidate the servants of God. And tragically enough, through history, there have been many times when those servants of God have yielded to that pressure. But thank God there are many who have not yielded, and more thanks to God, There are many, many today who will not yield either. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think that Billy Graham and Bill Bright for the last 50 years of the 20th century were the most powerful and the most effective witnesses for Jesus Christ in our world? I'll tell you why. Because Billy Graham and Bill Bright were never for sale. There have been many efforts through the years, many highly organized efforts to unearth the taint of scandal or self-gain in their lives, all to no avail. Their ministries through the years were fueled by millions upon millions of dollars, yes. But not one of those dollars ever lined their pockets. They served God with clean lives and clean hearts. And as a result, God blessed their ministries. Oh, did he ever. And let anyone who dares to sully their name or criticize their work beware of the ultimate judgment of God. Billy Graham and Bill Bright were never for sale. Now, let me bring the matter closer to home. Let me lower the scale a bit, but let me say to you very clearly, this servant of God is not for sale either. I will never yield to pressure or intimidation. I will never yield to a spirit of fear. I will never be coerced or lured into preaching any gospel other than the gospel that Jesus Christ alone is the Savior and Lord of this world, that the Bible is nothing less than God's direct, inspired, infallible word to us and to the world, and that we as Christians are called to live lives which reflect Something of the holiness which Jesus Christ teaches us. I will preach that gospel and that gospel only, no matter the cost, or for that matter, no matter the response, as long as God gives me the breath to breathe. Furthermore, The witness for Jesus Christ of the Providence Church will never be for sale either. This church will always stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This church will never yield to pressure and intimidation on the part of those who want to try to turn the church into just one more political action group or one more social service agency. This church will never yield to the coercion even of some of our denominational leaders who seek to try to have the church adapt to the values and the verities of the culture rather than the values and the verities of the Christ. This church, the Providence Church, will always in every conceivable way exalt the gospel of Jesus Christ without shame, without apology, without hesitation, without reservation, cost whatever it may. And so, Chapter 1 of the story ends with Balaam, the prophet of God, saying to the king, I am not for sale. I almost wish the story could end there. But I must go on to chapter 2, which I would entitle, The Price is Right. You see, King Balak believed that you ought not to ever take no for an answer. And King Balak also believed that every person has a price. And therefore, the king proceeded to offer a staggering sum of money to Balaam. And in the face of that overwhelming sum of money, Balaam's great resolve began to waver. In fact, Balaam at that point said to the king's emissaries, well, I'll go back and pray to God about this again. Now, let me tell you, that was absurd on the face of it. God is not fickle. God does not vacillate. God does not say no today and yes tomorrow. God does not change his mind. But in the face of the temptation of all that money, Balaam forgot that. True story. Arising out of the Civil War, there was a riverboat captain who was approached by agents of the Confederacy uh, seeking to pay him a substantial sum of money to smuggle arms and cotton down the river. The riverboat captain said, no, they upped the ante. He said, no, Uh, they increased the offer yet again. The riverboat captain said, no. Finally, they offered four times the last offer. The riverboat captain said, no, and then he physically threw them off of his boat. They said to him, why'd you throw us off the boat? He said, because you're getting too near my price. (laughs) Well, Balaam never had the strength and the courage to say something like that. Here's the point. Temptation always comes to us in the moment and at the point where we are the weakest. That's the way it happened even with Jesus. You remember Jesus in the wilderness. The temptation didn't come to him after one day or 10 days or even 30 days. The temptation came to him after 40 days of privation. At the moment, at the point where he was the weakest, the hungriest, the thirstiest. That's the way temptation always comes. Richard Foster has a book in which he says that the most insidious forms of temptation in life arise out of money, sex, and power. And Foster says it's because those are the areas where we are the weakest. Well, King Balak began to realize that Balaam's area of weakness was money. And so he offered Balaam gobs of money. Now, you know, the Bible tells us that when we encounter temptation in life, We are to run away from it. We are to flee from it as fast as we can. Balaam didn't do that. No, Balaam thought about it. Balaam toyed with it. And in the end, it got the best of him. So chapter two ends with Balaam saying to King Balak, all right, I will do what you ask. In other words, the price was right. Chapter three, I would entitle, God moves in hilarious ways his wonders to perform. And this is hilarious. You want a good laugh sometime, you need to sit down and read through this story in the book of Numbers. It's a scream. I mean, get the picture. Here was Balaam riding on his donkey, headed off to help the Moabites. And at that point, God is so angry with him that God sends an angel with a sword to block the road. Now, Balaam didn't see the angel, but the donkey did. And the donkey veered off the road down into a ditch and up against a wall and in the process, smashed Balaam's foot. Now, this is really a riot. Here's the picture. Balaam is now hopping around, screaming in pain at his smashed ankle, yelling in anger about his wayward donkey, and suddenly he cries out at the donkey, what were you doing? And the donkey responds. The donkey says, why are you mad at me? And Balaam says, because you made me look like a fool. This from a man who's talking to a donkey for heaven's sake. Well, at that point, God, the great God, chooses to speak through the donkey. God delivers a very powerful message to Balaam. God speaking through the donkey says, I take you where you ought to go. I do not take you where you ought not to go. Oh, thank God for that donkey. Thank God for anything in life that keeps us from going against the will of God. Maybe it's a letter or a phone call. Maybe it's a memento from your childhood or a prayer your parents prayed. Maybe it's a word of counsel from a friend or a word of warning from an enemy. Maybe it's the affection of a pet or the melody of a song. Maybe it's a Bible verse read or a heartfelt promise made. Maybe it's a sermon, or maybe it's even this sermon. But thank God for anything that keeps us from going against the will of God in our lives. Yes, thank God for the incredible message God delivers to you, to me, and to Providence Church. God says, I will take you where you are ought to go. And I will not take you where you ought not to go. So chapter 3 ends with Balaam beginning to realize all of the wonders and the glories of our God. Well, there's actually more to the story. Much, much more to the story. Lots of twists and turns. You know what? I'm going to wait and deal with that sometime later because I want now to speak to you from my heart. In my own life, I have a long way to go and to grow. And furthermore, in this church, we have a long way to go and to grow. In my own life. I will never ever be content until I become all that God has given me the capacity to be. And in this church, I believe that we ought never to be content until this church becomes the most powerful, the most effective, the most transforming witness for Jesus Christ it can possibly be. You see, I've learned in my own experience That at the point in time where we begin to feel that we've arrived spiritually or in any other way, at the point in time where we begin to feel content in life, that's the moment when we stop growing. That's the moment when we stop moving forward. That's the moment when we begin to settle for less than our best. And what's worse? That's the moment when we begin to settle for less than God's best too. There is a magnificent scene in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress where we are shown a palatial, glorious palace. It is a stately structure and glory radiates from the inside. Surrounding that palace, a rank after rank of armed soldiers determined to keep anyone from entering the doorway of the palace. In front of those soldiers, there is a table and a man at the table and on the table a book. Any who wish to try to fight their way through those soldiers to gain the doorway to glory must sign the book. And so we are told that a man steps forward to the table and says to the man with the book, set down my name, sir. And with that he takes a helmet and a sword and he begins to fight, slowly fighting his way toward the doorway of the palace. It is a fearsome fight. It is a long, long struggle. And finally, after giving and receiving many blows and many wounds, finally, at long last, he arrives at the doorway to glory, and he enters the palace. And as he does, the choirs of angels inside, robed in gold, begin to sing, come in, come in, eternal glory thou shalt win. Oh, what a scene. John Bunyan is reminding us that we do not gain the glory of the kingdom of heaven just by wishing for it. We don't just drift in. We don't just wander across the line. No, it's a battle. We have to fight for it every step of the way through life. We have to struggle for it for all we are worth as long as we live. It is a battle and we have to turn away from those who would seek to buy us or pressure us or intimidate us or lure us away. We have to resist at all costs the temptations that come to us when we are weak. We have to hold fast to anything, anything which reminds us of God's will and God's way for our lives. We have to always keep hungering and thirsting for more and more and more of Jesus Christ and more and more and more of the things of Jesus Christ. You see, my beloved people, it's a long, long haul to glory, but here is a short word for that long haul. The Bible says those who endure to the end shall be saved. Soli Deo Gloria. God alone be the glory. Amen and amen.